Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hey everyone, welcome to the service for the Building Christian Fellowship. Uh, I'm Dr. John and I'm grateful to Pastor uh, John and Kaya for inviting me to come and to share with you today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this service today. I know that you and, and, and we, we all are thinking about what all is happening in our world, right? There's so many different ideas about what's the reason for this and what's the reason for that. How do we respond to this? How do we respond to that? There are so many things happening out in our world, and so many different ways people are responding to what's going on concerning specifically with this pandemic. But the reality is that even though the pandemic is on the front page of all the news stories, there are other real-life issues going on outside from the pandemic that people have been dealing with before the pandemic started. There are still some situations. There are still marriages that are in trouble. There are still children that are, that are disconnected from their parents. There, there are still all kinds of personal struggles that we have been dealing with in our lives. And then on top of that, now there's the pandemic and all of the other things that this has caused in our lives. I mean, there are a variety of things that where people have lost their jobs. Uh, I, I actually... Uh, not too long ago, uh, just attended my very first virtual funeral, right? Real life is still happening. Uh, and, and while I'm, I'm mourning with a friend of mine who, who lost her husband, uh, I'm at the same time celebrating the birth of my third daughter, right, during this pandemic. Like, all these things are happening in the midst, in the midst of this global crisis. Because personally, you and I are still having to deal with life, and sure, like I said, there are some aspects of our lives that have been more complicated, much more difficult, even a new level of suffering because of the pandemic and, and our, our response to what's going on. So people have lost jobs. Uh, people have either been, been laid off or are trying to figure out what they're going to do uh, as far as how they're going to make ends meet. And whatever, the, if there was a financial situation, you know, before this pandemic, that's certainly been... Uh, more complicated even now. If there are relationship issues before the pandemic, those are more complicated now. Uh, just spending more time at home with the people that, that uh, relationships are, are strained. And in the midst of all of this stuff, as I was asking the Lord what he wanted to share today, it was, it was this one thing. He said, I want you to remind them that I'm with them. Remind them that I am in their midst. One of the things that we hear about this in the Christmas story, that when the angel came to Mary and said to Mary that she's going to have a son, uh, one of the things that the angel said was, his name is going to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this whole idea of God being with us, that does not change because if there's a pandemic. That does not change by any circumstances. God with us is a spiritual reality and a spiritual truth that you and I both have to embrace Every single day, especially, especially in times like this. Not too long ago, I was putting my uh, daughters to sleep. And uh, so I just got through changing the diaper of our two-year-old daughter, Sydney. 
And, and Sydney was crying. She didn't want to go to bed. Some of y'all know how that, how that is. She didn't want to go to bed. She didn't want her diaper changed. And so I'm changing her diaper. And as she's crying, our five-year-old, Elise, she comes up to Sydney, lays down on the bed, and says, don't cry. It's okay. God is with us. God is here. And Daddy's here. And Mommy's here. And I'm here. Don't worry, don't cry, it's okay. Now, now, as a dad, I was like, yes. <laughs> there are so many things about that that I just absolutely enjoyed. So, but, so let me mention two things. First, it was the fact that she said, don't worry, God is here. God is here. His, his presence is here. Uh, even though we can't see him, even though she has never seen him, she was aware that God is here. And one of the other things I like about what she said to Sydney, five-year-old encouraging a two-year-old and <laughs> reminding the two-year-old about the presence of those around her who care about her, what I love about what Elise said was that she said, God first. She said, God's here. Daddy's here, and Mommy's here, and I'm here. She said, God, first. Now, here's why that was amazing to me. Because every single day, she sees Mom and Dad providing food for her, providing clothes for her, playing with her, watching movies with her, going outside with her, going to the park, you know, tickling her, and all this kind of... Like we, we, we do all these things. We, we eat together. Like, every single day, all day, she sees me and, and, and Mommy, Janine, uh, and her sister... Every single day. But the first person she mentions to Sydney is someone she has never seen. That was amazing to me. That was amazing. That the, the person on the top of the list was the person that she has never seen, she's never touched, but the presence of God to her was number one, even over the presence of mom and dad who she sees every single day. She can hug us and touch us all that. And, and, and so it was amazing to me. And, and as I'm, I was preparing for this message today, I felt like God wanted to remind all of us that he, as our Heavenly Father, is so present with us no matter what is going on. And I know that, the, like I said earlier, the pandemic is all over the news. It's getting a lot of attention. But outside of the pandemic, many of us have other issues, serious issues that are still going on. We have healing in our bodies that we're still praying for and waiting for healing. We have, have, have trouble in relationships that we're still praying that God uh, brings reconciliation. We have people in our families who are not saved and don't know Jesus, and so we're praying for their salvation. And so, and then, of course, we do have the things that are, are, are effects of the pandemic, whether it's uh, financial, relational, or, or whatever. Um, and we're praying that God will turn that around, and even in the midst of this thing, make some kinds of provision for us to move through it, to progress through it, and to be sustained through this global crisis. And so with that in mind, I, I want to share with you this title, this title. Uh, and and I, I first started thinking about um, this when we, we first started hearing this word, shelter in place, right? Uh, trying to create uh, some distance between people, the whole social distancing thing, and, and, and trying to say, okay, people, if you don't need to go out, then don't, don't go out, or, 
or just, just do those things that are essential and, and all these kind of things. When, I, when I, I first heard that phrase when I was in the military, now some of you probably, the first time you heard this was because of this pandemic, but I first heard it when I was in the military and we would do these different exercises just to kind of make sure that everyone was ready for any kind of emergency. And part of the exercise was that, I mean, there could be uh, just different scenarios that played out uh, on base. And when they heard, when you heard over the loud voice, the base speaker system, it says shelter in place, shelter in place. That means wherever you are, you could be shopping at the commissary or, the, or grocery store. You could be at work. You could be at home. When you hear shelter in place, that means you are sheltered in you lock the door, close it, and you are there until you are released, until there's an announcement that the shelter in place is now, is now over. And so we're here, shelter in place for, for all of us here with this pandemic. And then, and then more specifically, shelter at home, right? Shelter at home. Uh, but but I, I want to share this idea with you, this title with you, and that is this, that I'm encouraging you to shelter in faith. I'm encouraging you to shelter in faith. Faith. While you're sheltering in place, while you're sheltering at home, shelter in faith. And one of the, the, the passages I want to read today uh, that is a, a, an example of what happens when we shelter in faith, it's a story most of you probably heard. If you haven't, it's okay. We're going to read some portions of it. It's about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was traveling through a city, and as he was visiting, because he did a variety of visits all throughout Asia Minor, planting churches and starting churches, and he went on other missionary journeys to go back around and to support those churches and encourage those churches. And so he traveled quite a bit. And in this particular area, as he is visiting this, this town, there is a young girl uh, who was a servant girl, and she had an evil spirit. And this evil spirit uh, gave her some abilities to, as the Bible says, to, to tell the future. So she's like a fortune teller. And because of that, her, those who owned her made money off of her. And so the Bible says that this young slave girl followed Paul and Silas and Luke all around. And after a few days, uh, they got, she got on, on their nerves. And she kept on saying, these are the men of the Most High God come to tell you about God's plan of salvation. She would always say it and say it and say it. And so one day she got on, it, Paul had enough. He turned around, he cast the demon out of her. And because the demon was cast out of her, now she didn't have the special ability anymore, which meant she was no, more, no longer profitable to her owners. And so her owners got a crowd of people to, and, and, and got, uh, incited a crowd against Paul and Silas and all those who were there, and they ended up having, having a situation. <laughs> all right? So let's read, let's read what happens from this point on. Acts chapter 16, beginning of verse 22. It says this, The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Now, receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I'll say that again. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. Now there's more to that story. We'll get to that in just a second. 
But, but for now, I just want you to see this, this particular picture. As we think about sheltering in faith, one of the things I want you to, to, to know about the Apostle Paul, as I said, he traveled around quite a bit. And just like in this situation here, Paul had a lot of enemies. He had a whole lot of enemies because people did not like the message of the gospel that he was preaching, uh, the, the message about Jesus Christ, and the effects that the gospel was having on people's lives and, and subsequently on culture. And so similar in this situation, but for a variety of different other reasons, oftentimes Paul found himself just like here in jail. And sometimes he was in there longer than others, but, but he, he had a lot of time he spent in jail. And here's why this is important. Because as we think about having to spend more and more time at home, there, are, there is a tremendous disruption to our everyday tasks, our everyday chores, our lifestyle. It has been disrupted. It has been turned upside down. For those of us who had to have our identity in the job that we're able to do, uh, if we're not able to do that job, whether we're just you know, at home, or if we actually got laid off, there could be an identity crisis just because there's a change in the role and because of our attachment to that role, right? That can affect you deeply at the core of who you are. For those of you, maybe you, you, uh, you had a stay-at-home, you're, you're a stay-at-home mom, and, uh, but you're used to things being different, not everyone being at home all the time. Uh, some of your parents had to start learning how to homeschool your children so that they can keep up with their academics. There's been a whole lot of disruption, a whole lot of shifts that are happening, and it's really, really easy in the midst of disruption, in the midst of all these things, because change happens and things become new, as things become new, things become urgent. And when things become urgent, that's what's always in our face, like flashing lights, getting our attention, and it's really easy for us to forget that God is with us. It's really easy for us to forget that God is with us. And, and especially if you're trying to look at the news every single day, and you look, this news station says this, this news station says that, this social media post says this. We got, in addition to like official scientists and, 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 uh, uh, and, and you know, health officials, we have our, our, our people, right? Certain influencers on social media that we follow and they give us their opinion. And, 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 and then we, we, we share that opinion with everybody else because we just believe that it's true. There's a whole lot going on out there, a whole lot of information a whole lot of people pointing fingers, a lot of people are blaming, a lot of people doing all kinds of stuff that's not kingdom. There's all kinds of things being said that's not coming from the Father's heart. And for you and me as children of God, it is of utmost importance for us in the midst of this global pandemic and global crisis as well as your personal crisis to be in alignment with the Father's heart. What is the Father saying? What is the Father feeling? What is he speaking to us right now in the midst of all this drama? And I'm going to tell you that the only way you'll be able to tune your spiritual antenna into the voice of God for his guidance, for his comfort, for his peace and his protection is if you are sheltering in faith. If you're sheltering in faith. And here's what I mean by that. When we shelter in faith, it means that we have a conviction about who God is, what he's able to do, based on what we know, he, what we know he's already done. 
based on his power, based on his character, we know that circumstances around us don't change the climate going on inside of us. That it's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that'll, that'll, that'll guard our hearts and that will keep us. That, that's what sheltering in faith is, keeping your eyes on God amidst all these other things that are trying to get your attention. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Keep your eyes on God. The way we shelter in faith is by continuing to believe what God has said. The way we shelter in faith is by continuing to keep our eyes on him even while other things and other, other, other opinions and other comments and other um, uh, events are trying to get our attention. Sheltering in faith. It is an intentional commitment. You don't accidentally shelter in faith. You got to be deliberate. Your mind has to be made up that this is how I'm choosing to live through this situation. But here's the deal. Those of you who probably already have been sheltering in faith, you came into the situation and it didn't move you the way it moved other people. Because you came into the situation with your history with God, knowing that he is the God of the breakthrough, knowing that he's a God who works things out even when you can't see how he's going to do it or know when he's going to do it. You came into this crisis with your history with God teaching you how to have faith even in this moment. For others of you, this is kind of a brand new thing. Maybe you're new to the faith or you're new to being serious about the faith and this thing is kind of shaking you up. Here's my advice to you. My advice to you is this. Find some people who are sheltering in faith and connect with them and and ask them to teach you how to do just that. It doesn't just come by listening to one sermon. It doesn't, no, this is a lifestyle that you have to be spiritually coached through, spiritually mentored through. So I'm encouraging you to not try to go through this thing by yourself. When you shelter in faith, you're connecting with other believers, whether it's Zoom, whether it's FaceTime, whether it's waving to folks across the street and you're keeping your, you know, your social distancing. I've been surprised to see the kind of innovation I've seen drive-by birthday parties. I saw a drive-by baby shower. All kinds of ways that people are still showing love and connecting with people, but but still maintaining uh, the the, the social distancing uh, guidance that that we've been given. So when you shelter in faith, it's not sheltering by yourself. You're connecting with other, other believers who can remind you of where to keep your focus and who can remind you of their own stories they have of why that that are informing why they are not losing faith right now there's a reason why talk to them ask them why say why do you why are you so calm why do you have so much peace when you have this going on and this going on and you just lost your job and and your kid you you know is not on speaking terms like how is it that you are still uh, uh, emotionally stable and let me tell you for those of you who've been walking with God for a while, and when, when people ask you that question, don't just, don't, don't just give them some Christian colloquialism or some little saying, oh, you just got to trust God, just trust and believe. No, break it down. Tell them why you believe. Tell them about the time you almost gave up. Tell them about the time that you lost hope and God came through. We've got to continue to share with other people what God has done for us to keep the record of God's uh, uh, breakthroughs in our lives, his miracles in our lives, keep that at the forefront 
So there's so much stuff going on social media, but what we need to hear more of is the God of the breakthrough. It's the God of financial miracles, the God of physical healing, the God of marriage reconciliation, the God of, of, of bringing the, the prodigal son and the prodigal, prodigal daughter back home. He is the God who is with us, and he's moving among us. He's moving among us. And I feel like God wanted me to tell you that he remembers you. He sees you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't turned a deaf ear to your prayers. He's not blind to the pain that you're experiencing and the suffering that you're experiencing. God, the Father, sees you and he loves you. And in the midst of this crisis, both global and personal, he wants you to be able to pay attention to how he's moving in your life how he's moving in your life. When we see this story here with Paul and Silas, one of the things that strikes me about this is, is I, I know when I've, when I've heard this passage preached about, uh, you know, uh, uh, growing up, a lot of people use this passage to talk about, talk about worshiping for your breakthrough, right? Like Paul and Silas that were in jail and in the midst of being in prison, they were just worshiping God and, you gotta, and, 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 and God, you know, uh, broke the chains off and there was an earthquake and, you know, you got to worship God for your breakthrough. But, you know, that, that might be true in some cases, but here's the deal. Paul and Silas were not worshiping God for a breakthrough. They were worshiping because that was their lifestyle. They were praying because that was their lifestyle and being in prison didn't change what was true about them and what they knew about God. They, they were, this is an example of sheltering in faith. Now, now for Paul, uh, he was in prison. And some of you, you might, you're, not, you're not in prison, although you might feel like it, but that's another story. But, but the reality is that here is a clear picture of sheltering in faith. Here, they have, they, Paul and Silas, they trusted God, they believed God, they did what God was calling them to do, and as they were obeying the call of God on their life, it, it led them into prison. They landed in prison, but they didn't lose hope. They didn't lose faith like Pastor Butcher was talking about last, last week, right? Talk about hope. They didn't lose hope. They didn't lose faith. They kept their eyes on the one that they gave their life to, and he was more real to them. His presence was more, uh, uh, was more supreme to them and than, than even the stocks that were around their legs. Can you imagine that? Like we read the story, they were beaten. They were beaten. They were flogged. Like they were, they were in pain. They were bloody. And they weren't in a prison where they had uh, 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 cable TV and you can still get a, get a, a college degree. Just, no, they were in the inner dungeon. It was dark. No windows, no visiting hours. It was, and in these dungeons back in the day, they didn't have the kind of plumbing that, that, that they should have had. They had rats. There's the smell of feces and the smell of urine. And they're sitting there in this totally unsanitized area, and they can't even move. They can't walk because their, their feet have been chained together. And in the midst of this, like I can imagine, this is, this is Silas's first time going on a trip with Paul. And I can imagine Paul saying, Silas, yeah, I know this is, uh, this is your first time. <laughs> Paul's been a veteran at this point. I know this is your first time. You, 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 you might even be considering this being your last time. I don't know what, you, what you're thinking, Silas. This might, you know, man, this seems like a good idea at the time to travel with you, Paul. But man, this is like, you know, week number one. This, I'm still in orientation now. We already in jail and got beat up. But, but see, this is, this, in this situation, in this situation, they're imprisoned, but they're confined. They're confined by rules that put them in a certain place 
and kept them there against their will. And in the midst of this, we find them sheltering in faith. Paul looked at Silas, and Silas looked at Paul, and they said, you know, now's a great time to sing. Now's a great time to worship. Now's a great time for us to pray. The interesting thing about, one of the interesting things about this, this, this story, it's one of many times that the Apostle Paul was in prison. And one of the more dramatic exits out of, out of prison, for sure. Uh, after this situation, as they were singing and praying, and you, you saw that the, 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 their chains fell off and the doors flew open, and the jailer, who you saw earlier, was given the responsibility to make sure that, that they don't escape. When those doors flew open and he saw that, he thought his life was on the line. He, he grabbed a sword. He was going to kill himself because if not, his life was going to be taken for letting the prisoners go, go free. And Paul shouts out to him and says, hey, don't harm yourself. We are all still here. And the prisoner ends up saying, what do I need to do to follow the guy that you're singing about? What do I need to do to be saved? And long story short, that jailer was saved and his whole household uh, got saved. But how did that happen? It happened because somebody was sheltering in faith. How did this earthquake happen? It happened because someone was sheltering in faith. And in this moment, they weren't worshiping for a breakthrough. They're worshiping because God was worthy. They're worshiping because they loved him. And, in, and they're talking about praying, right? They're praying and singing hymns. I mean, they had their own like intercessory prayer and worship night right there, bloody and beaten and bruised and chained and locked down. And, but, but the thing about, about sheltering in faith is that even if physically you are restrained or confined, your spirit is not and the presence of God is not. You can still have an intimate connection with him. You can still acknowledge his reality and his presence with you. You can still know that his presence is here to comfort you and to strengthen you. And that's where the challenge is with sheltering in faith is that, like Elise, when she said to Sydney, don't worry, God is here. She has faith to believe that not only does God exist, but he's here, he's present. And because he's present, you don't have to worry. You can be comforted. Most of us know in our heads that God is everywhere. Uh, we, we, we know that. God's present. And, and even if you hear someone say, hey, don't worry, God's with you. All right? I'm not just here to say God's with you. In addition to God's with you, I'm here to tell you that his presence with you can go unaddressed and it can go untrusted if your awareness of his presence is what's lacking. And that's what I love about what Elise said. So it's not just that God is present. God's present with you right now. He's present with me. But our awareness of his presence is what is the game changer. Are you aware? It's only when you are aware that God is with you can you trust him. It's only when you are aware that he is with you will you depend on him. Will you talk to him? Will you seek him for guidance? It's only when you are aware of his presence. And here, Paul and Silas, in the midst of everything that has just happened, in the midst of everything that had just happened, they were aware of the presence of God. And in their own way, they sought 
to connect with God, to exalt God, to lift him up above everything. And the way God responded was with an earthquake. I want to reemphasize this. They weren't worshiping to create an earthquake. They weren't worshiping for a breakthrough. They weren't worshiping to get out of prison. They were worshiping because God was worthy. They were worshiping because they were sheltering in faith. They were worshiping because in the midst of being beaten and bruised and bloody and in prison, not knowing when there's going to be a trial or if they're ever going to get out, in the midst of all of that, in the midst of, here's the key, so much uncertainty, they said, now's a good time to acknowledge the supremacy of God. Now's a good time to acknowledge the imminence of God's presence. Now's a good time to acknowledge that he is here and we exalt him above everything. We exalt him. We exalt him. We lift him up like nothing about God has changed because we're in prison. He's the same God when we were out, 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 of, out of prison that he is while we're, we're in prison. I'm telling you right now, even in the midst of this pandemic, listen, God is with you, but you've got to tune your mind and your heart and your soul and your spirit into being intentional about looking for him, looking for him. Being aware, what is God up to? Across the nation, so many pastors are trying to answer that question for people. What is God up to? And I can't tell you specifically what he's doing in your life, right? Not, not specifically. You have to ask, God, where are you? What are you doing? I'm encouraging you to say, what are you doing? What are you doing in my family? What are you doing about my finances and my job? What are you? Help me to see you Working because it's really, really challenging, especially if we're new to this whole faith thing. It's really, really challenging to trust God and to trust that He's working something out. If if you're new to this whole thing and you don't really feel like you have a lot of evidence personally to support believing in that, and there are others of you who do, right? So, so as we look at this whole passage, one of the things that's interesting to me is about Paul specifically is that this is not, as I mentioned earlier, this is not the first time Paul's been in jail. Like, Paul's been in jail a lot of times. Like he, he, about five years of his ministry, Paul was in jail. He spent two years in jail in Caesarea. He spent two years. Uh, it wasn't really a, a prison. It was, he was on house arrest for two years. So even though he could have visitors, he couldn't leave the house. And, so, and then other times he was in and out uh, of either traveling from one jail to the next, but he was still under some kind of, of incarceration. And what I want you to know is this, that in the midst of all the things that you got going on right now, in the midst of what seems to be a tremendous limitation, there's still some things God can do through you and do in you. There are letters from the New, in the New Testament uh, that we only have because Paul was writing from prison. Uh, 85% of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul, who, who, who arguably is, is, you know, next to Jesus, uh, the most, most uh, um, prolific uh, preacher, spreader of the gospel, influencer in the New Testament, as far as ad- especially advancing the gospel to non-Jews, the, what people call the Gentiles, and all the missionary journeys that, that he took. And Paul went all over the place. But here's what I want you to see. One of the things that Paul says is... Uh, um, uh, in, in, in several of his letters, he gives us an indication of his perspective on his hardships. His perspective on his hardships. Uh, in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 14, again, this is a passage this is that Paul wrote while he was in prison. He wrote a letter to the Colossians while he was in prison. He wrote to the Philippians while he was in prison. He wrote to the Ephesians while he was in prison. He wrote to Philemon while he was in prison. And so one of the things he says, he says, Philippians chapter 1, verse 14, and because of my imprisonment, 
most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear because I'm in jail. Because I'm in jail. Because of my imprisonment, it has had a positive impact on the believers here who for some reason are more fired up because I'm in jail. They're more fired up because of my, my chains. In other passages, he talks about I'm an ambassador in chains. I'm an ambassador in chains. And so, and so even though Paul was in prison, he learned how to make prison part of his ministry where prison did not uh, uh, minimize his ministry, but on the other hand, Prison maximizes ministry, even out of Paul's own words. What would seem to be a season of his life where he would be out of the game. Paul refused to be out of the game. Instead, he said, okay, how can I still be influential while I'm still here in prison? And some of you need to hear that whether you are whether you are in, in full-time ministry or volunteering at your church or you're in business or whatever your occupation is, what, whatever it is, okay, whatever it is, some of you need to hear that even though you might be limited physically, your call is, is not limited. Even though you might be confined physically, your anointing is not confined. God's hand of favor is still on you. His hand of blessing is still on you. Your calling is still effective and powerful, but you are going to have to learn how to shift, how to pivot. What is God doing new now? I believe if Paul was alive today, uh, Paul would be FaceTiming from prison. Paul would be live streaming from prison. Paul would be doing Instagram stories from prison. Paul would be doing all these kind of things. Why? Because he says, I'm not going to allow what's just you know, this physical limitation to limit what God will do through me. Now, the, the church in, in um, the Colossians, for example, a man had left the Colossians, traveled 1,500 miles to visit Paul in prison in Rome to tell Paul what was happening at the church at, and, at the, the, in the Colossians. And so Paul writes a letter, gives it to the guy. The guy travels 1,500 miles back to Colossae and reads that letter to the church. And so here he is. Paul is in prison. You would think he's limited. He's bound, he can't do anything, but yet he's influencing believers 1,500 miles away. Now, now get this. As I said, he, he wrote Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. Now, if he had not wrote those letters from prison, if he had not tried to address those issues from prison, we wouldn't have those specific letters even today. Those letters have impacted the world. They've impacted Christians for thousands of years because he sat there writing in prison. He didn't have a pity party because he wasn't able to do the things he wanted to do or fulfill the calling that he felt like he was needed to fulfill the way he wanted to. He looked at the opportunities that were present with him. He knew he was still an apostle, whether he was in prison or not. He was still an encourager, whether he was in prison or not. He was still an influencer, whether he was in prison or not. He looked at the opportunities presented to him. He used them, and unbeknownst to Paul, unbeknownst to Paul, thousands of years later, we're still reading what Paul wrote to the Colossians, that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Thousands of years later, we're still reading what Paul wrote to the Philippians. I can endure all things through Christ who gives me the strength. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven and earth and on the earth. 
and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. That, that, that's what he wrote to the Philippians. He, he, if he hadn't written to the Ephesians, we would not know about, about, about the armor of God and, and how uh, Paul encourages them to understand that the, the, the um, weapons of our warfare are not carnal. How he encourages them to, to get along with each other, to love each other. Uh, how he encourages them that, that we are many members but, but one body and with each part doing its part, we all work together and we're built up in love. If we, if we hadn't been writing from prison, we wouldn't have these powerful words. My question to you is this. Paul was able to still impact the world in prison, in confinement, on house arrest, unable to leave, clear limitations, but he was still able to impact the world. Why? Because he knew how to shelter in faith. Don't shelter in doubt. You want to shelter in faith. And in sheltering in faith, you want to start saying, okay, what opportunities do I have right now? What are the things, what are the doors that God is opening for me right now that were not open before this crisis? What opportunities do I have right now that I didn't have before this crisis? Some of you have, as I mentioned earlier, you, you may have lost a job. What, what if God is trying to shift something? What if God is trying to shift something, right? Now, let me say this before, before I... Um, um, before I, I close, because this is very, very important. Like, there's a whole lot of different, you know, theologies about, uh, you know, did God send this pandemic? Well, God doesn't have to send a pandemic, but he can use a pandemic, right? God doesn't have to send suffering, but he can use suffering. There's a part of the things in our fallen world where there is sickness, there is death, there is pain, there is suffering, there is crying, there's all these kind of things, and Christians are affected by it as well because we're living in this world. God doesn't have to send it in order for him to use it. One of the things I like about what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, uh, now some translations say that, you know, God is... Um, it says, all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, that's the King James Version. Like, all things work together for the good. But here's the reality. That, 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 that's not as accurate as it needs to be, that translation. There are other translations that are more specific to say that God is working in all things for your good. Right? It's not just all things work together just because you love God. No, no, no. God is working in all things the things that he did cause and the things he did not cause. He's working in all things. There are mistakes we've made in our own lives. It wasn't God's will. It was our bad, our mistake. But even in the midst of it, God's working in all things to bring good out of it. So yes, we're in the midst of a crisis globally, personally, family, financial, relational. We got all kinds of crises going on. But in the midst of it, God is working in all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I'm encouraging you today to have the same mindset that Paul and Silas had, that yes, we might be confined, yes, we might have restrictions right now, but we are not limited to fulfilling God's call. We're not limited in that, in that way at all. And I know there are some of you looking to say, how am I going to make ends meet? What does my career look like, my job look like? God has the answer. God has the answer. I, and I'm encouraging you to take some time and sit still before God. 
sit still before God and see how he's wanting to shift you, to see how he's maybe wanting to, to reinvent some things, how he's maybe wanting to birth some new things even out of this pandemic or crisis situation. What is he saying to you? What is he wanting you to do? The father has an answer. He cares about his children. He loves the entire world. He has an answer for you. He remembers you. He knows you. He sees you, but he needs you to listen to him Pay attention, to pay attention, and it takes some time to slow down and spend time with him. Nowadays, because of this pandemic, there's so much more uh, uh, Bible studies and messages and things online. Take advantage of those, of those things. But most importantly, spend some time with him by yourself. I mean, sit quietly. If you got to get up early or stay up late, sit quietly somewhere and just ask God some questions. God, what do you want me to do? God, where do we go from here? God, what do you want me to know? Because I want to shelter in faith, but for me to shelter in faith, I need to have something from you that you want me to believe. Something from, word from you that you want me to stand on. You could be reading scriptures and a verse jumps off, you know, jumps off the page, that, that's his word for you. But he gives us these, these stories. He gives us words from other people. Um, he gives us verses that we read. Uh, he gives us testimonies from other people. He's going to help us shelter in faith. Shelter in faith. Let me share this last passage with you, and then we'll be done. One of the things that the Apostle Paul learned to do while he was in prison was continue to preach in his own way. He preached through those letters. He continued to pray for those who were, uh, you know, people that he wanted to meet uh, in person. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6, he says this, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until... Uh, and, until it is finally finished. This is Paul saying, I'm praying for you. I'm not there with you in person, but I'm praying for you. Uh, to the Colossian church, he said, uh, chapter one, verse nine, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so that is my prayer for you, that in the midst of this problem, in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of however it's affecting you personally, my prayer for you is that you would know his his will, and that you would have understanding, spiritual wisdom, and understanding about what his plans are for you and how he plans to take care of you through this situation. So I'm encouraging you to shelter in faith. Keep your eyes on God. Keep him first. And if you're struggling with how to do that, talk with some people uh, in, your, in, your, in your, your church family, your friends, say, I need to know how to shelter in faith. I need to help. How, do you, how can you help me keep my eyes on God? And it could be text reminders. It could be all kinds of stuff, especially nowadays, right? But, but if others of you who know how to shelter in faith, look for those who don't and kind of be a mentor through, through this with them. Kind of coach them through it. Disciple them through it. And whereas right now they might not have a whole lot of faith, they will by the time they get through this thing. Because sometimes it takes these experiences, you got to go through some things with God, and then as you come out on the other end, you see that God is faithful. All right? So I, I, I end with, with this, that um, 
It was the same words that that at least told Sydney, don't worry. God is here. God's with us. And he's with you. Let's not just shelter in place, but let's shelter in faith. And even though things might look different, our lives can still be impactful. We can still show compassion to people, still show love to people, still check on people, still show value to people, and still carry out God's call on our lives as his children, as followers of Christ, in the midst of a pandemic. This is how we can be the light of the world with Christ shining through us. This is how the hope that we have gets spread throughout the world through us. But it begins by us sheltering in faith. Guard your hearts. Stop watching all the stuff that you've been watching that's not helpful. Stop trying to track every single theory about (laughs) this or that. All that is distracting you from the word of God, the plan of God, the will of God, and the presence of God. Be intentional. Say, I am going to shelter in faith. No matter how long this thing takes, I'm going to shelter in faith. I'm going to make it my business to make God big in my life, in my focus, and in my house, and in my attention. All right? So God bless you, uh, Building Christian Fellowship, and all of you who have tuned in and joined us uh, uh, for this, um, this broadcast. God bless you. You take care, and let's shelter in faith. God bless. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.